This is Working the Beat. It is Thursday night, October 17, 2019. I'm Kevin Cooney, along with Mike Kern. Glad you could join us on what has been a busy week. Real busy week. Philly's still looking for a manager, although it sounds like they're getting close already. It could be Dusty Baker, or it could be uh, Joe Girardi, or it could be Buck Showalter. Uh, so we'll talk about that a little later on. We'll also do one thing about the John Middleton press conference that would concern me, Mike Kern, if I was a uh, Phillies fan. I love the way you do that voice when we start. What? It's like the radio voice. Hi. Hi, everybody. We used to hey, do. It's Kevin and Mike. We're here. Yeah, you know. we're here. By the way, I got to mention that one of my favorite voices of all time was Todd Zalecki used to do the old-timey radio announcer during rain delays. Like, or something happened with baseball. Oh. You know, the grand old game of baseball. Whoa, whoa, Nelly. Whoa, Nelly. That's another one. of my favorites. He we're going we're gonna to get Zalecki on here. By the way, upcoming on next Tuesday is our next episode, and we will have John Johnson from WIP and KYW News Radio. There you go. And another Northeast Philly and nor- guy. Another Northeast Philly guy. We could P- talk. Pizza Palooza. Uh, by the way. Go ahead. And, and, yeah, we're interested in Pizza Palooza here. We got to call it different than that, though. I hate that Pizza Palooza, but whatever. And I've eaten probably most of the ones that have been suggested. Yeah. Um, a Northeast Philly pizza competition. And we're looking so at bringing celebrity Tacanelli's judges. Tacanelli's doesn't count because that's not Northeast Philly, right? Where's Tacanelli's located? It's, it's down in, um, like, uh, what do you call that? Off 95, Allegheny. No, that's too that's, far it, down. I, I, that's what I thought. And that's fine. I would make the argument Charlie's on the boulevard probably is too probably, far down. probably the limit. Yeah, and and that even not stretching it, but that that's Northeast Philly, I suppose. Yeah, um, yeah. The the problem would we, be. I used to think Sears Tower was City Hall coming. Yeah, home. I yeah. Thirty years ago it was. Um, I you know the problem might be limited to about eight, like a manageable number. Yeah, you know, and there's so many that are different. You know, like one, one guy that was tweeting things said, you know, the white pizza. Bleh. Well, I'm not a white pizza fan, but I've had white pizza that was really good. Attacanelli's being one of them. Um, he had mentioned others, but, but before I before I lose my my train of thought, a good call on the Nats. By the way, you yeah. you like them, and I mean, I just thought that basically when you win a series like they did against the Dodgers yeah. and the Cardinals were a bit of a paper tiger, I didn't like them. Yeah, but they just destroyed forward. them. That being said, I'll take whoever wins the American League, and you know, well, to, you know, you heard that stat, didn't you? What? The day off thing? No, 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 no. The, the team that has swept a league championship series, and I don't know how f- if this is... It has to go back, I guess, 85 when the series But I don't know if it seven. includes the whole or... If it, but, like, let's say the last five times it's happened, because I don't know how many times Has gotten swept in the World Series. Not getting swept. They haven't won the World Series. Right. So, yeah, whatever that means, I, you know... Stuff is meant to be broken sometimes. I mean, Washington has the pitching they can win, but I think deep down. I think their bullpen will get them at some point. I think their bullpen will get them, and to be honest, I think their lineup against, again, let's say they face, let's say they face the Yankee bullpen time and time again. It's going to be difficult for them if they fall behind to mount lead inning rallies. But you will see the the bullpen time and time again. again, Which isn't a... but that's, what, but that's the way the Yankees are going to play. Right, but you don't see bullpen guys a lot. Like teams, that's the one thing. Like the Astros, as this series goes along, if it goes along, they're going to see these guys. So it's not like you're facing that one guy once, you know, and then not seeing him for three months because you play a three-game series or something. 
Um, the, the, the reason that they said somebody gave this reason, I don't know if it was Tim Kirchin or somebody, because it's good for your pitching to get the rust, mm-hmm. but the hitters it like can throw their mojo off. And Washington's swinging the bat pretty Washington good. Washington right is now. Swinging, the, swinging the bat pretty good. Without Bryce Harper, by the way. <laughs> you know that, that's it's almost not unfair. Brace's fault. It's not Brace's it fault. It is unfair, but it's a fact. It is a fact. It's a fact that he played seven years there, or eight, seven or eight, seven, won an MVP, never won a playoff series. It's a fact that Mike Trout is the best player in baseball, plays for the Angels, and they don't get to the playoffs. They don't even come close to getting to the playoffs. It's a fact that Manny Machado has been in how many playoff series in his life? He was with the Dodgers last year when they acquired him at the trade deadline. But I'm just saying, it's like all this thing goes into getting these these $300 million. And I get it. You want the best players. You, Rendon this year is going to get, whether he signs with the Nats or whether he goes somewhere else, the, the, the pitcher on the Astros is going to get. How much is he going to get? I mean, come on. Unless he blows. I mean, he hasn't lost since no, May. No. <laughs> I mean, um, Phillies. Coming, we'll talk Phillies later, but coming up, the main guest on our show tonight is buddy of Mr. Kearns, buddy of mine from uh, the old Daily News days, now at The Athletic, the Eagles beat writer Zach Berman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zach, uh, obviously, look, Phil, the Eagles are in a, in a spot this week where they have to win this game. I they don't mean, have to win it. You, you, I, I saw a stat today, like their playoff chances or whatever. You know, ESPN does that stuff. You know, their playoff the football chances. Football probability index, yeah. This is why they don't have to win. They'd be one game behind the Cowboys. Okay. With a game, if this were at home, yes, I said, they're going to get the Cowboys later at home. Um, The Cowboys aren't great. The Eagles aren't great right now. That could change six weeks from now. The Cowboys have their tough games coming up. The Eagles have their tough games coming up. So I don't want to hear this that if they go three and four. Yes. If they lose this week, we're going to say what? What what are we going to say? You're going to say they're one game behind the Cowboys. In a division where the other two teams aren't aren't going to affect you, you basically have to beat the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And then what you're saying is maybe nine and seven or ten and six might win the division. Yeah, I'm, but I'm, if if they lose this game, um, it's good. And you know it's going to be a close game in all likelihood. It's, it's going to be a one possession right. game. Well, we'll talk to Zach about it. We'll talk about some of the other. I think issues. Dallas might have to win this game. Jalen Ramsey, I think, is a big issue. Obviously, at this point, because you know. The Eagles passed. So I go mean, get Patrick. Go get Patrick Peterson. But they need to get somebody. And there was a, Josina Anderson has ruffled some feathers yeah, and, and said that. that some Eagle players one criticizing the trade, which I get the the, the lack of a trade by hey, Howie to go get uh, okay. Jalen Ramsey. But the one today is criticizing Carson Wentz over this offense, which to me is oh, just ridiculous. Look, Carson. Carson is not the reason the Eagles are three and three. Okay, but he hasn't played like I think most people thought he was going to play. Now, how much of that is Deshaun not being there? How much of that is, like you said, the offense? If you throw, I saw this stat, and I don't know what this means. You're if Mr. You throw, if you throw the 2000, I, I listen to talk radio too much. If you throw the 2017 season out, Doug's 20 and 20. Okay, now. Mm-hmm. One of those was a rookie quarterback when he was the rookie coach. So I'm not saying that means Doug stinks. But this notion that Doug was this genius, and maybe he was the year they won the Super Bowl, or maybe Reich and DeFilippo, maybe the three of them together were really good. I don't know. But it's just, you know, you you don't hear Carson 
even vaguely mentioned as one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now, which is just you know. But I can't I can't look at that Minnesota game and say that was Carson Wentz because to be honest, he's not played well. He said he's not played well, but I thought he played okay, pretty well. You gotta you gotta be better than pretty well sometimes. Sometimes you have to win games. That's what you have to do. And well, I'm, like I said, I'm not who's, blaming. Who's he playing with? You know, I hear this all the time. Okay. They have no deep threat, Mike. Okay. They have no deep threat. Alshon Jeffrey, a couple years ago, was the prime wide receiver free agent. Mm-hmm. Right or wrong? Yeah. Okay. Zach Ertz is one of the best two or three tight ends in the league. How many drops did he have the other um, day? You're not answering. No. You're not answering. No, I know. I you're, know what you're saying. You're right. that he has no weapons. I get it. Aguilar's not that good. I, I get it. The, the kid from Penn State looks like, you know, he's been fairly helpful in the passing game. This notion that, what, that so what does he have to have? The Goddard is not bad. God, that's what they draft him for. But so the, they, they don't have a deep threat. Say they don't have a deep threat, but don't tell me, the, the, well, the weapons. Well, what does that mean? He's got to have three all pros. Mike, when you don't have anybody who can take the top off, and, and we'll talk about this with Zach. In fact, we're going to giggle to Zach in yeah. a second here. When you don't have anybody who can take, stretch a defense, there's too many people in a crowded area right now, and he's throwing that's around. Fine. That's fine. Other guys and play, the play design. I th- this is more on play design that's than fine. I think it is on if the you want to argue play design. But I'm, I'm getting sick of this notion that they don't have. So, so in other words, when when the Kansas City quarterback loses his deep threat, then then he should just be whatever. I mean, when when Green wow. Bay loses Devontae Adams, I, I still saw. Uh, Rogers out there throwing passes and complete. I mean, at some point, yes, it, it is a problem when you don't have a deep guy. But don't tell me that they don't have guys. This problem falls on the general manager. Well, he got Deshaun Jackson, if who's you know, thirty-two years old. Everybody applauded the move. There was nobody that said, "Hey, that's a bad move." But you know why? You know why now? Well, what, was the alternative? Alternative? what was the Mike, alternative? Mike. What was the alternative? The alternative is learn how to draft. Okay. But, but going Le- into learn how to draft going Jason, into the J- season, what was the alternative? Give me give me an alternative. Arguing about him drafting Aguilar or him drafting this guy to draft the year, who I don't think he's a deep threat. I'll make an argument. Randall Cobb would have been a better pick, but that's, that's fine. me. Then give me Randall Cobb, and who is how old? Uh, Randall twenty nine or thirty. I'll bet you he's close to to Deshaun's age. But what I'm saying is. They went out and everybody, and then the first game in Washington, he's running for two 50-yard touchdowns, and then he got hurt because that's what old guys do. Peters goes out every game. But doesn't it show the, the problem they've had of drafting that they can't replace these guys? Have they made some bad draft picks? Sure. I'm not going to sit here and argue and say every draft pick's been great. No, it hasn't. And then you have to And go- look at that secondary, and that's a big but, problem. Right, but... They won a Super Bowl two years ago. Somehow, some way, however it worked out, they won a Super Bowl. So, yes, he does get a little bit or a lot of rope. But what I'm saying is this year, going into this year, they went out and signed Jackson, and everybody universally said that's a good move. Okay, so we can't say that two months ago and then say, well, now, you know, it's not a good move because he's got an abdominal. Uh, You know, I hear you. And but you know I think with Ertz and Goddard and Alshon and now the rookie for and and, and Aguilar should be able to give you something. Right. I'm not saying a lot, right? And if this if the second round or third round draft pick were giving you something, which he and that goes back to your premise that they haven't drafted real well. I I don't think anybody would argue the point. 
that their drafts have been awful. They haven't been awful because they got Carson Wentz. They, they haven't been totally awful. Derek Barnett might turn out to be a really you know, good player. You know who I would be concerned if, if I was a fan of the New York Jets? I would be real concerned because Joe Douglas built his reputation on the Eagles thing. And Joe Douglas. No, he built his reputation before that. Well, built in the Bears. He, you know, he doesn't he doesn't get a GM job off of the Bears. He gets it off no, the Eagles. But, but, Super but yeah, but he was only here. He wasn't here that long. Three years. I mean, it's, it, you can't judge a guy on drafting three years because you can't. It, it, people want to make observations on draft picks two years into the league. Right. It's, All right. Ha- it's hard. Okay. We've argued enough. No, we didn't argue. We debated. Okay. It's what we do. We debated enough. Time for Zach Berman from The Athletic. He'll join us now on Working the Beat. <laughs> Joining us now, longtime colleague of Mr. Kearns at the Philadelphia Daily News slash Inquirer. Now at The Athletic, where uh, him and Bo Wolf covered the Eagles along with Shil Kapadia. It is Zach Berman. Zach, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Thanks for joining us. Um, all right, so what's the mood around uh, Novacare Complex these days? Is it this week a, a little bit of, I don't want to say panic, but urgency at least? Certainly urgency. Uh, I wouldn't describe it as, as panic. I, I would guess that the mood, well, that the mood outside the building is different than the mood inside the building. Um, there's a degree of confidence. You heard it from Doug Peterson, obviously, earlier this week, and, and I think you hear from the players, too. A lot of the veteran guys, you know, Fletcher Cox today was, was saying it. They've, they've been in this position before. You know, it's, it's, it's not like this is the first time they've they face the game with a lot of scrutiny on them. Um, so for the veterans, the, you know, they're used to it. Uh, for some of the new players, I think it's, it's part of the introduction of playing in Philadelphia where every week is a season. And uh, certainly I'm of the opinion that if they lose this week, the, the season's not over. If they win this week, the season's not made. Uh, there's a lot of football left. And in this division where – you know, the Eagles and the Cowboys are three and three, but at the top and then the Giants aren't far behind. Um, I don't think anyone's really going to run away with this thing. So uh, that's kind of the mood in in the building is 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 confidence, but not like overhyping what this game is. Hey, Zach, I haven't seen you in a, in a while. How is fatherhood treating you? Is your, is your son like what, about two and a half now? Yeah, I appreciate you asking. So I have a two-year-old son and I have a nine-month-old daughter. Oh, my God. And, I didn't, I didn't real. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, she was born uh, be, between the Bears game and the Saints game. Awesome. Um, so, uh, yeah. So Th- That must uh, have been it, a fun it, week. <laughs> it was a fun week. It, it, it was a hectic <laughs> week, but uh, her timing was impeccable because she allowed me to make both of them. Um, but, no, I, uh, fatherhood's awesome. Uh, it's, it's, the, uh, it's the first thing I found that brings more joy than going to work. Yeah, you got that right, pal. Hey, you know, two things, Zach, I'm a little confused of this week, and I know it's me because I know what could. But, you know, Doug comes out and, and allegedly says, you know, we're going to win the game, then backs off, which, I, you know, I understand how that works. And then they ask him about, you know, did you get rid of the linebacker because of what he said last week? Nah, nah. And is that – did the linebacker get let go because of what he said? 
and did Doug guarantee We're a talking win? Zach Brown. Yeah, Zach yeah. Brown. So I don't believe Zach Brown was let go because of those, those okay. comments. Fair and, and if if they let him go because of that, I think that would be narrow minded and short sighted on their part. Mm-hmm. I don't think what he said was was um, so egregious that it it it's a fireball offense. Frankly, if you guys said it, if I said it, no one would bat an eye. Um, it, it's it's something that had been said before. You know, it's it's just kind of the the terms with which Zach Brown used. I don't think he was cut because of that, but I think that um, he hadn't been playing especially well. I don't think he was horrible, but he hadn't been playing especially well. And I think that that uh, there was clearly a message to be sent. And if you're going to send a message, send it to a veteran player who's not part of your long term future, who's probably not significantly better than what you already have there, and uh, you know, it was it was an easy message for them to send. That's how I interpreted it. And how about, as, and how about as the for coach Doug Peterson? Yeah. Um, I I did not perceive that as him guaranteeing victory when okay. I heard it. Uh, I think because that's the way it was interpreted, that's why he backed off. I thought when I heard it, that's that's Doug kind of trying to set the tone for the mm-hmm. week, showing confidence in his team. I didn't perceive it like a, a Joe Namath type guarantee, uh, but those words are out there and. Uh, certainly the interpretation was what it was. And, and so that's, that's kind of what Doug needs to deal with. One of the big, I don't want to know if it, I don't want to say it's a controversy, but Justina Anderson, the last couple of days, did. well, all right, I guess I did. <laughs> Justina Anderson last night quotes an unnamed Eagles player as saying, uh, you know, they really bleeped up uh, because they didn't trade for Jalen Ramsey, which I think is not exactly breaking news, to be honest. The one tonight with her comments, and I'll read it verbatim. With the team being in three and three, an Eagle source told me, also talked to me about how they feel that the offense is functioning. We need to make the bleep make bleep simpler. Sometimes we need to handle what's manageable. Even Peyton Manning knew when to check it down. You know, Zach. In my mind, Carson Wentz maybe has not been an MVP, but he hasn't been close to the problem with whatever is ailing this offense right now yeah so uh you know i have respect for jazina i i I obviously don't know who's who said it somebody who likes to say bleep apparently yeah yeah so so it's it's hard for me to answer specifically to that although that latter claim there um surprised me because frankly i don't think Carson's problem this year is that he's not checking down. Um, you know, if if you watch this Eagles offense and whoever said this is clearly part of the Eagles offense or 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 part of the Eagles, you know, locker room, um, their issue has been going downfield. You know, they can't connect downfield. As a matter of fact, I, I've spoken to multiple coaches who've praised uh, Carson's willingness to check down this year compared to previous seasons. Um, it's actually something that Press Taylor pointed out. Uh, a few weeks ago when he was talking about kind of the, the growth of Carson Wentz this year is is when nothing's there, checking down, living to the next play. And they've done that quite a bit. Um, their problem's been, been connecting deep. So uh, I was surprised when I heard that because it just seems kind of incongruent with what I've been watching. Um, but uh, it's hard for me to say without knowing who it was or the context of the comments. But, and I, I, and I'm not meaning to put you in a spot, but when you consider also, is it just Carson is an easy target? A is a quarterback B to me. It almost sounds like somebody is just kind of going along with whatever the people was, uh, the people said 
last year in that one story about Wentz and leadership. There's people who are maybe in that locker room just trying to find something to, to pick at the quarterback about. Yeah, I mean the the uh, you know the quarterback's always the target. You guys know that. I mean mm-hmm. that's that's been the, the the case here. Whether you know it was it was Donovan, whether it was Foles, whoever may you know whoever it, it, it was, and certainly with Carson being the franchise quarterback, um, I I would give you a list of problems on this team, and Carson, uh, we'd have to get to double digits before I said it was Carson Wentz. So um, I, I'm, I, I mean, like you, I'm not saying Carson Wentz is the MVP this year, uh, but I think they have much bigger issues to solve than Carson Wentz right now. Zach, I'm, I'm a Carson guy. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I agreed with what they did with Foles and, and, and other people, but at some point though, he does have to play better, right? I mean, he's even admitted, and I'm not saying he's, he's got to be the MVP or, you know, whatever. But at some point, I think he's got to play closer to 2017 than what he's shown recently, whether it's missing passes here or there. And I know he doesn't have Deshaun going down the field and that hampers it. But w- would you not agree that he's got to elevate? If this team wants to go far, whatever far means, he's got to elevate his game a little bit too, right? Oh, certainly. You know, I mean, he's he, he's touching the ball every play. Uh, when the offense isn't playing well enough, you know, you start with the quarterback first and receivers are dropping passes. They're having passes. You know, there have been passes that he's missed, but, you know, you you look at his situational stats, for instance, look where he is on third down. It's hard to play significantly better than what he's doing. Yeah. Third down red zone. He's been he's been good in the red zone. I look at plays here and there, you know, that it, uh, there have been a few throws that he missed, but it's 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 more things like, for instance, he had a third and four the other day when there's a there's um, a delay of game penalty, and he was calling for the ball. Kelsey didn't snap, and you can say, is it on Carson? Is it on Kelsey? Whatever it was, uh, that 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 ball needs to go out. You know, the the you can't be in third and nine on on the road there when you're down eleven points and on Minnesota side of the field. Um, so little things like that, he can do better. And it's, you know, when, when you talk about winning games, it's, it's a very thin margin. It's, it's those types of plays. But again, I don't think Carson is the problem here. And I, I don't think he's playing poorly. I, I mean, his interception rate is the best it's been in his career. Um, you know, his, his passer ratings down, but I, I, you know, I think that there are a handful of throws each game where he's, he's putting, guys in position to make plays and they're not making them whether it's Nelson Aguilar, Mac Hounds, JJ, I think a white side, Zach Ertz dropped the pass last week. Um, there's enough to go around here. So I, I know that's part of playing quarterback. Um, but, uh, but I just, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to be critical of it and I, I just don't think Carson's the issue right now. All right. So let's get to somebody else who may be the issue as we talk to Zach Berman of the athletic, the Eagles beat writer. Um, Howie Roseman, um, your former colleague, Mike Silski, had a good column, uh, I thought, the other day where he talked about the fact that, you know, Howie has tried to kind of paper over some some issues here with his drafts and everything. And I think some of it, you know, you look at re-signing Jason Peters and you know, re-signing Brandon Graham and some of the, 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 the older, the, how quickly this team has gotten old and they haven't had draft picks kind of, supplement it you know you mentioned our uh, uh, our, uh, 
uh, Arkeo Whiteside. I don't. I always mess up that name. I apologize. <laughs> um, you know, you look at you know obviously the corners and Sidney Jones, Rasul Douglas. The drafts have, are really hurting them right now, isn't it? Yeah, to an extent. I'm, I mean, you need more from from some of these drafts it, it, now. The guys who are rookies this year, uh, Dillard's a different story. To, you know, to, starting this week, they need right. Dillard to play well. Uh, he's a first-round pick. But, I mean, you're not going to hit on every one of these picks. It's just a matter of uh, – I mean, Sidney Jones is in year three here. You'd expect to see more from him. I think Russell Douglas has, has played decently for a third-round pick for what you'd expect there. Barnett, um, you know, I, I don't think Barnett's a – Big problem, but I, I think you would like to see a little more at this juncture. Uh, had a real good rookie year, was injured last year. 2018 draft, um, you know, the, I, I, I actually think Goddard and Maddox have, have given them decent production. Uh, and then and then this year, um, you know, it's, it's, it's to be determined. I mean, their first-round pick hasn't really gotten on the field until last week and then and then this week's the big test so uh no i i think it's it's fair to look at how he's drafts i i think it's a little early for it. i i'd be more critical of some of the roster decisions they've made since the super bowl um from from where i sit and i and i and i look at it um you know they they hit on so many lottery tickets during the super bowl i think it accelerated their timetable and i think once they won it was just doing everything they can to win again. And then when they didn't win last year, it was to do everything they can to win this year. Uh, and I, I think to a certain extent, they got away from some of those, uh, the profile of players that they were looking for in, say, 2016, 2017. When you bring in Deshaun Jackson at, you know, 30-plus years old and, and you, you make some of these moves that – that they made Malik Jackson, who I actually really liked the Malik Jackson signing got hurt week one. You can't control that, but you look at the profile players that they signed in 2016, whether it was Rodney McLeod or Brandon Brooks or 2017, when it was Alshon Jeffrey guys in their mid twenties who, uh, who are going to be, you know, part of your foundation going forward. And I think the moves they've made the past two years have been more trying to plug a hole to go for it again. Uh, and it's kind of got away from what they were doing those first two years. And I understand why right. you're not going to hit on every player, but if you look at the moves they made from March 1st to now, um, I mean, there's been injuries or just players they missed. LJ Ford, Zach Brown missed on both those linebackers. Linebacker is a crucial position. Um, you know, Malik Jackson, Deshaun Jackson, they, their two biggest off-season additions. You've gotten one game from both of them so far, basically. And, and Zach, uh, I, I, I hate to I hate to interrupt and ask this. Did they get too sentimental in a sense where, you know, yeah. Pe- Peters Peters got to the end of the line. You know, say what you want. Uh, 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 you know, they brought back uh, uh, oh, the the guy from Vinny Curry. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they brought back Jackson, uh, Brandon Graham, who I, I know Brandon Graham's been okay this year, but the contract would. Probably he's probably not playing to the contract. Um, did they get a little too sentimental, which is what I call flyeritis? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't disagree if you, if 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 you made that that argument. I think each each move within itself, you can kind of justify uh, and explain. But I think when you take a step back and you look at it, they went with a lot of old guys that they know. 
and um, a lot of those old guys that they know are either hurt or underperforming. And if you're gonna if you're gonna talk about injuries, you can't use injuries as an excuse when you when you sign guys who've who've been injured, who get hurt. It's no surprise Deshaun Jackson's injured right now. You know, you you kind of bake that into the price. He hasn't had a full season since since what 2013. Um, Since he so, left here the first time, yeah. Yeah, so I, you know, I, I think that's that's something that you really need to look at. Hey, Zach, so the big news this week, or one of the big news was it Jalen Ramsey signs with the Rams for a high price, and most of the talk seemed to be the fans that they, they weren't real happy. You know, one, and I, I I looked at it as it wasn't so much giving up the two first round picks, but now you got to sign this guy in another year for whatever you're going to sign him for. You, do you think it was the, the right move um, not to give what the Rams gave, or or in hindsight, are you going to sit there and go, boy, we could have had that lockdown corner out there? I don't think they would have. I don't think they would have regretted acquiring him. Okay. I don't think if if you get a blue chip player, you're not regretting it. Mm-hmm. Chicago's not regretting uh, Khalil Mack. Sure. You know, um, I, I I don't think Houston's regretting Tunsil. Uh, now. I am not going to kill them for not going for it or, or I, I should say for not making that trade because I think there's a dearth of blue chip young players here on cost controlled contracts, especially. And the way to get those guys is in the first round um, and to give up two first round picks for a guy who he's, he's young, but he's going to be 25 years old later this month and you, you got to pay him big money when you already have big money tied to your quarterback, big money tied to your defensive tackle. And you've pushed a lot of money down the line as it is. I get it. Uh, that being said, you can't miss on picks. All right. So if you're not going to trade for Jalen Ramsey, because you want to hold these two first round picks, then you, you can't swing and miss. And you know, that's, that's the reality of this situation. So I'm, I'm curious to see what they do these next two years in the draft, um, I thought where they really missed was was not adding Clowney uh, during the preseason because that was a small price in terms of draft pick, high price in terms of dollars, but a move I would have made. Uh, if you're talking about giving up two first rounders, that's a hard price to pay when you need to get when you need to pay the guy twenty million. But with that talent, I don't know if you'd regret it. Does Does Patrick Peterson or some other name that I'm not aware of factor into this before the trade deadline? Well, if you're going to give up a first-round pick to get Patrick Peterson at, at what, 29, 30 years old, yeah. you might as well give two to get Jalen Ramsey sure. at 24, um, 25. Anybody, so, is there anybody uh, else? That, that yeah, I mean, there's there's guys you can get for maybe middle-round picks. Um, I don't know if, if they really move the needle. Frankly, I think where the Eagles are, are looking here is is they're getting guys back. They're getting, Jalen, uh, they're getting Jalen Mills back. They're getting Ronald Darby back. I'm not saying that's the solution, but – I think that uh, that if the Eagles make a move, it's more likely to be along the defensive line. Um, I can't overstate how significant Malik Jackson's injury was for this team. That that changed so much with what their plans were this year. And I think uh, if if they are to make a move, I would watch for defensive tackle. Uh, Zach, you know, and we'll talk about the with the Cowboy game coming up here. You know, obviously so much has been made about this three-game road trip here, and I've been one who's been saying, get through this at four and four, kind of see where you're at, and with the idea that the back end of the schedule, especially once you get past New England, is more manageable. 
is it really that easy to say it that way though? I mean, in other words, if you lose this game and go to win in Buffalo, you're still in a little bit of trouble here because you you're losing conference games along the way. No, I agree with, with, with what you said, Kevin. I, I think if, if, uh, I think no, no matter what happens here, unless they lose, you know, four or five in a row, um, just the back stretch of the schedule is so manageable. So that, that, that you can be 500 or around 500 at Thanksgiving and still feel like you're, in a good position to make the playoffs. And uh, obviously a, a lot depends what happens in your division, but this isn't the NFC West. This isn't the NFC North. This is a very winnable division right now. Um, and there's just so much ground that the Eagles can make up when you look at Miami on their schedule and Washington on their schedule um, and the Two Giants giant games. On their schedule twice. There's, yeah. There are games to win here. So, I think win or lose this this weekend. There's a lot of football left. Uh, the Cowboys have Cooper listed. Uh, Amani Amari uh, Cooper. I almost said Amani Toomer again. Uh, listed as questionable. Michael Gallup. Maybe he's questionable. Michael too, Gallup too. questionable. Randall Cobb questionable. Zach Martin. Uh, Lyle Collins. Uh, all questionable. Uh, like you know, everybody's talking about the Eagles injuries. Boy, Dallas is really banged up coming into this game. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and I, I think I think Cooper and Tyron Smith too. We should point if, out if 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 Cooper's not on the field, it changes everything. Uh, the Eagles are so susceptible to the deep ball; their their weakness is clearly in the secondary. Uh, you saw what Cooper did to them last season. If Cooper's not on the field, it, it changes the whole equation. In my opinion, I, I think that could swing who wins or who loses the game. If if the Cowboys, if they lose those, Zach, they're in trouble, right? I mean, and I, I know they. it just seems to me that this game is, is so much more important to them because the Eagles will get the rematch at home. And like you said, it's probably going to come down to the two of them. And they just don't look like a really good football team right now. Yeah, I, I, I see your point there. Um, but if there are three and four with, with, you know, obviously four consecutive losses, but they still have, have the Eagles, like you said. They still have, have you know, a, a schedule they can navigate here. So, I don't think it's it's like a death sentence for either team, um, but the team that wins is you know is in the driver's seat in the NFC East. Yeah, and obviously though, I mean, if you look at it, that the Eagles will have the the you know you mentioned those teams, you know Dallas has already gone through that part of the schedule with Miami. That's and, true. They get, mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, so there there is a little bit, and we should point out Dallas has to go to New England. Dallas has to go to Chicago. Dallas has, I mean, this Dallas still has Minnesota, so they have a lot of hurdles coming up here. Um, as well, Zach. When you look at when you look out at, at this division, it's a one it's a one bid league is, or division, isn't it? I mean, there's no way a wild card's coming from the NFC East. No, right? not at all. I I mean, there's there's not a team with a losing record in the NFC North. Um, when you look at the NFC West, San Fran's undefeated, Seattle's close to it, and the Rams just added Jalen Ramsey. Um, you know, I think the only way the Eagles make the playoffs is is winning this division. And then if they win it, you know, I have a hard time thinking they're a legitimate contender unless a lot changes uh, or uh, unless they play a lot better than they're playing now. I guess if you have a quarterback like Carson, you always have a shot. Um, but with the way they're rushing the quarterback right now, I think this is a limited team. Yep. Zach Berman from The Athletic. Zach, congratulations on the, well, nine months ago. Congratulations on the newborn. Uh <laughs> 
appreciate uh, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, enjoy Texas this weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you hopefully down the road here. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Be good, Thanks, Zach. Zach. Our thanks Zach to Berman. Zach Berman of The Athletic. Remember to read him at theathletic.com. Him and Bo Wolf uh, covering the Eagles. Show Kapadi is still in there as well. Um, partner, I got to admit, last week was not a good week for our for my picks, at least. Well, I was 3-1 and one on college, but the, I will the pros this. was awful. See, and this, I'm going to tell people this every week. Go to Better's Insider, which I do a golf. My golf guy is almost won last week at 50, 50 to 1, but that's... Last week, because here, when I give the picks out here, I'm kind of on the fly a little bit. And then sometimes I'll think about it a little bit more or come up with I was 6-1 and one in the pros last week, which, of course, will never happen again. Mm-hmm. And the Cowboys were my loser. Um, but I was 3-5 and five in the colleges because I, I – and, and but it, it has no rhyme or reason. But mm, um, Nope. You know, we try. And <laughs> we that's try. It's, so you were 3-1 and one in the colleges. That's good. Well, yeah. what, what, well what's – so? Uh, the NFL was awful, but – Anyway. Well, you were three and one in the colleges. Anyway, time for our picks. Yeah. Just find me where you wanna go. Take me to the action. Take me to the track. Take me to a party. If the button in the back, I've been working all my life. Can't afford to wait. Let me call my wife so I can tell her I've been late. I want to ease All right, Michael Jack, let's get it started in the colleges. And, I, you, you know, went three and one last week. Go ahead. <laughs> All I right. I didn't do as well, I don't think. I don't know. Okay. Because uh, I give out like 20 games. Yes, you do give out a lot of games. I'll, I'll, I'm going to keep it. Let's top three here. Okay. There's no such thing as a top. Going to start in the SEC. Which game? You know, this looks like. A lot of people are thinking that South Carolina, you know, before last week, I knew you were going there. South Carolina would have been maybe a 10 point favorite at home against Florida. No, a 10 point underdog. Or a 10 point underdog against Florida, rather. It's now dropped the five, and people are giddy. Is that low? Yeah. Okay. Well, South Carolina quarterback is is back healthy. He's back healthy. People are giddy after the win between the hedges, and rightfully so. And Florida coming off a bad loss at LSU. Not a bad loss, but a tough loss. They were winning in the third quarter. They were winning in the third quarter, but they kind of ran out of steam and everything. This would be the week everybody is impulsively. South Carolina, everything. I'm taking Florida. I'll lay it a five. I just think, yes, the Gators, second week in a row. But I think there's a hangover coming for South Carolina. They've walked around school all week. They've heard how great they are, how big an upset it was. Kind of tough to get it back up and going after that. Yeah, which, and traditionally, I was looking at that game a little bit myself. Uh, South Carolina play, has played them tough over the last six, seven years, or whatever it is. I, I, I would probably, I, I'm, I'm not betting that game, but I would, I see your logic. You know, it's just I, I don't know how Florida's going to come off that game either. You know, I mean, yeah, who knows? Uh, but hey. But tis what it is. Tis what it is, and I'll take Florida. I'll lay to five. I'm going to Seattle next. Oregon has the more popular quarterback in this game mm-hmm. against Washington. Mm-hmm. But Jacob Eason's really good. Jacob Eason, 13 touchdowns, three interceptions, passer rating about, if you use a QBR, it's about 131 right now. 
is going to be a cold and rainy day in Seattle. You've checked this. Yes. Okay. I they like, get rain in Oregon, too. Yeah, I know they get rain um, in Oregon. I'm just fun and wait. Washington, I think, has the better ground game. I'll take Chris Peterson in this spot. A home dog. I'll get the three. I'll take the Huskies to win outright okay. over the Ducks in Seattle. See, if I see, well, you, yeah, I wonder what the money line is. I'm just curious because if you feel that way, you might just want to play the money line. Right. Um, Eddie Barkwitz was telling me in the Michigan Penn State game, the interesting thing is Michigan's getting like nine, but the money line was only like plus 250, which is weird because usually when you're a nine point underdog, it would be, but anyway. Yeah. So you might, if you're predicting outright, hey, and if you can get an extra half somewhere along the line here, if the I think it's going to go the other way. I yeah, I, you think Washington's going to get no? Knock I think it down. Be like two and a half by yeah. by time. In fact, I think I saw two and a half on FanDuel. I'm staying Pac-12. By the way, you're going against the UCLA's. No. Oh, okay. I'm taking the fight in Herms. Yeah, you know I was looking at that game too. I'm taking the fight in Herms. The third place team by any measure, if you look at power polls and everything in the Pac-12. I get it. It's at Rice-Eccles. I get it's at Utah. Herm plays tight games. Herm plays really tight games. Yeah, they do. And Utah games. doesn't score a lot. Yeah. yeah I, if I and I'm getting bet, two touchdowns? Yeah, if I was going to bet a side in that game, I would go with the Herms, too. It wouldn't surprise me if Arizona State won. But I wouldn't play the no, money. Would, no, no, no. It would surprise me if Arizona State won. You think? What, what do you mean surprise? Like, what, what, I mean, they're two touchdown underdogs at Utah. Yes, I would be surprised if they won the game outright. They will be in a position to win this game outright. Okay, well, okay. Perhaps. Maybe you're right. That's why we do this. I'm taking Arizona State lay, or getting 14. So my picks, Florida laying five on the road, Washington getting three at home at Seattle against Oregon, or Arizona State getting 14 in Salt Lake City. Against the okay. Utes. I'll give you three different ones. I, and you know me. I, I wrote a lot of games. Yeah. I'll start off. I'm going to take Texas Tech at home getting seven against Iowa State. That's a good pick. Texas Tech has played pretty well. They should have beat Baylor last week. There were some weird referee calls or whatever. And they're at home getting seven. I think they could win this game. And Iowa State's good. I'm not, you know, they're, I think both teams are four and two, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm going to take the Texters getting a touchdown at home. I'm going to take, because this is like my favorite team now, because my, my friend out there, the Toledos. You do love Toledo. Well, they, they got upset last week by Bowling Green, which is unconscionable. Bowling Green stinks. I know it's a rivalry game. They only scored seven points. And my friend was like, he, he, he couldn't put, But anyway, they're given a point and a half at Ball State. I don't know much about Ball State. I don't really care. It's the Mac. I'll take the Rockets. To win the game, well, obviously they're only giving point and a half. So, and I'm going to go, and I, I, because I, I, I got a lot of games here I could go with, but I'm going to go with the Owls. Ooh. Getting seven at SMU might be seven and a half. What did I write down? I think I it's seven, seven and a half. Yeah, I just think the Owls are not as good on the road, but most teams aren't. They're at home. They've been really good. They're they, coming off a big win. Little leaky defensively last week. But Memphis is good. Memphis is good. I mean, to give up 28 to Memphis, and I think... and I think You were up 16 at one point. Yeah, and Memphis is Twice. good. Um, they've beaten two ranked teams already this year. I'm not 
saying they're going to beat a third-ranked team because they've never beaten two in year ones. I just think seven and a half is a lot. And I know Smooth's not bad. They're having like their best year since 1985 or six or whatever it is before they got if killed. Te- if Temple's going to win the American or win their half of the American, um, they're going to have to win. They're going to have to be four-ranked teams. Well, they're not going to win. They're, they're not going to win. Well, I'm just saying they're not going to beat all those teams. They're not going to beat Cincinnati and Central Florida and SMU. I got a feeling they're probably going to lose twice in the league. It's just my take. I think Cincinnati's pretty good. I don't know if the game's here or there. I think Central Florida. Central Florida's here next week. And they also got Tulane. And Tulane's not bad. No, Tulane's actually pretty tough. I just think the Owls are. They hang around. They've kind of sold me on the fact that they're pretty good. I know Maryland, or no, what was the game they lost? Buffalo. It was a bad spot. They went up and Buffalo clocked them. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take a shot with the Owl getting seven and a half because I think they can win the game. I don't. I don't think when all is said and done, they will. But I think, like, if you told me, you said, would well, you be surprised? If you told me the Owls win that game, I, w- I would not be surprised. Um, while we're at it, uh, what's the Michigan-Penn State line? I'm you trying know, to... I, t- I took three teams with T's. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Michigan was nine. I've seen eight and a half. I've seen nine. I think... I was real high on Michigan before the year started. I thought this mm-hmm. was their year. No, it's probably not. They have to win this game, but I don't think they're going to. And Stay I, away from the nine. Well, it, it's it's almost like it's just, it's that sucker bet thing. Yeah, because mm-hmm. nine. Okay, I'm getting nine with Michigan. I think this might be a game where Penn State is, to use your line, makes a statement. Mm-hmm. And they might... And, and this will keep them alive, you know, playing Ohio State later, playing... Um, well, they still have Michigan State, too. They're not going to lose to Michigan State. I don't... They shouldn't lose to Michigan State. They no, they could. shouldn't. They shouldn't. But I just don't see Michigan... I know Michigan dominated this series for for a fair amount of time. But under hardball, at Happy Valley, it has not been good. Well, the last time they were there, they got, they got whooped pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, And Michigan's got a pretty good... De- I just think Penn State wins this game, and I think... It Fairly comfortable. No, nah, I'm just going to say by double dige. Yeah, but uh, that's a stay away. It's I kind of agree it's, it's, with it's you. It's a night game. They're going to do that whiteout thing. I, I, Michigan it will be just heavily has, intoxicated. What has Michigan shown me that would lead me to believe that they can? I, I mean, I guess they could cover nine because you know. And then they got Notre Dame coming up next week at home. At home, which before the season you would have said, "Hey, Notre Dame might be favored in that game." And they might be like a field goal favorite. And as we mentioned last week, the Irish's hopes are now pretty much toast because of what happened with Georgia. Um, I try to think of scenarios where the here's how the Irish could get in, and I think it's a real, real long shot because mm-hmm. it would take in the SEC. Georgia would have to win out, beat Alabama, or maybe not beat Alabama, but beat somebody in the title game. Right. LSU, Bama. I think it might almost be better for Notre Dame if it was LSU. But anyway, because that way Alabama would not have even been in the championship game. And then hope that there's enough teams. I don't think Notre Dame gets in over a one-loss conference champion. Like if it's Oklahoma, Ohio State, Penn State, wins the wins their, their league and has one loss. I don't think they're getting in over that. But if, like, if, if uh, you know, Georgia wins... And none of the other S- – if Alabama is a one-loss non-SEC champion, Notre Dame can make a case. And that's assuming Clemson's going to go 13-0. I think Clemson's going to be in, barring something, you know. Because the ACC is just not that good. 
The SEC champ is definitely getting in. Right. Right now, Ohio State and Oklahoma are the two other teams, and I'm dismissing Wisconsin, which is probably stupid because they're not a bad team. But Notre Dame, yeah, Notre Dame's chances were pretty much hyped to Georgia going and finishing up. But if Georgia went 14-1. Their name was going to. 13-1, I guess they would be, right? Right. Whatever, 12-1, whatever it would be. And would it presumably have to be, well, they would have to be SEC champion. Right. That oh, that's, they, they run the table. They'd have to beat LSU or Bama in the title game. Yep. And then Notre Dame could sit there and say, hey, guys, you know, we're, we're sitting here with one loss, and it was only to that team over there. That's you know pretty darn good, and it was by five points at their place. All right, here we go with our NFL picks. Oh, we got to do that too. Jeez, yeah, we do. You I, go first. Oh my god, <laughs> I am I am totally. I'm looking at this. It was funny. You think the NFL is so whacked? It's so whacked. You know, you have like games where you just sit there and go, "Why is that line that line?" And sometimes you get suckered into the bet. I'm, okay, I, I wrote a lot. Can the Rams go to three and four? They're at Atlanta. I want to see if you pick all three of the games I picked. <laughs> I mean, no, I've got eight games listed here. Okay. One of them, one of them, the Eagles. By the way, okay. Um, because I was leaning towards the birds, but I think I'm just going to stay away from that game. Um, boy, I'll tell you, Kevin, this is really, really, really. All right, I'm going to take you. You go I, first. I'm going to take the Rams. I may not pick anybody. I'm going to take the Rams. I'll eat a three. I think the addition of Jalen Ramsey really is neutralizing Julio Jones this week. But see, here's the problem. And games like this, it's not your fault. We look at games and say, like, that team can't lose. Okay. All right. There's two other points. Okay. One, the Falcons are awful. Just awful. They've, They've won one game. Yeah, against the Eagles. How about that? Two, the Rams are a better team away from L.A. Okay, I don't no, know why. There's no home field advantage in right. Way. Yeah, that's but why. like substantially better. Like, mm-hmm. Jared Goff looks like a way better quarterback outside of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. It is weird. It is bizarre. I'll take the Rams. I'll lay the field goal. Okay, I think they beat the Falcons by about a touchdown. Go for it. All right, number two. This is the Kyle Shanahan runs the score up game on the Washington Redskins. Yes. Do I have doubts over whether the 49ers are really that good? Yes. But I know that the Redskins are awful. Like, should have lost to the Dolphins. Awful. And Kyle Shanahan talked this week about how nice it was to get out of that dysfunctional situation with Washington, where he was there with his father. He was there then with Jay Gruden. When you consider what the Redskins have had in their building and let walked out, Sean McVay, you know, Kyle Shanahan, kind of shows you what the organization is. I'll take the Redskins. I'll lay the 10 at Washington, which is not a home field advantage either. And finally, this is the one I think you're going to be the most surprised by, Michael. I'm never surprised. I'll take the Bears. I'll lay three and a half against the Saints See, I got the at Bears. home. I got the Bears here. Yeah, what's your logic? All right, Bears are coming off a bye week after a tough loss in London. Right. Okay? Mitchell Trubisky may start. Right. And the Saints are just due for a Teddy Bridgewater clunker. That was my logic. Um, Teddy Bridgewater is something like 22-6 and against the spread as a starter, but but I, I was feeling the same side as you. 
I mean, three and a half. Would I have felt a little better if it was two and a half? Yeah, because the Bears don't play traditionally high-scoring games. They're not going to blow anybody out. But, you know, if you're going to tell me right now the Saints, the Saints may be one of the the best team in the NFC, but they're just due. There's certain spots, and I just think that them going to Chicago, what appears to be a cold evening, it's a 425 game, or 325 Central, I just think this is a spot where the Bears get a little bit of a measure here and maybe try to crawl their way back into the playoff hunt. I'll take Chicago later three and a half. I was looking at that side of the game. So I was looking at the Rams side of the game. I didn't really have an opinion on San Francisco, but you can't bet Washington. So I'm going to just throw a few games out. On the same logic you had with the Rams, pretty much. Plus, I can't see him going three and four. KC Denver. How can you? Well, I know the that's angle. tonight. I, no, no, no. I'm just saying. I'm not going to take that. Okay. But how could you not take KC? And I'm, it's three for a reason. Because mm-hmm. Den, you know, Denver's at mile high. and or they, Is it still mile high or is it another? I don't know. I lose track. In Vesco, yeah. Whatever the hell it is. Um, so, I, but, but I, I just, when I look at that line, I'm kind of like, eh, okay. I'm going to go for some weird ones. I, I'm going to, because, because I am. Um, how about this one? Tennessee lane two to the Chargers. The Chargers have been like God. awful. Tennessee hasn't been much better. They're switching. Chargers, of course, another one who could be better away from home. Maybe I, like I said, I have no strong opinion on any of these. So you're not picking anything. No, I'm. I'm going to throw them out to you, and you can do. I Tennessee over the Chargers intrigues me because it does. Uh, Detroit over Minnesota intrigues me. One and a half. Minnesota coming off a really. Big win over the Eagles at home. Detroit, Detroit, Detroit got, royally screwed. Detroit got royally screwed. It's a division game. They're home. They, you know, they're better that, than we that thought. That was the worst screw job since Bret Hart. <laughs> I mean, yeah. here's one that I, I don't know what to make of this. Indy's given one to Houston. I, Indy had a big win two weeks ago. They had a week off. I'll, I'll say, but how could you not like Houston in that game? Deshaun Watson. Is it in Indy? It's in Indy. I, I'm. And, and that's why I'm not totally sold on Houston, but okay. No, no, no. But I'm saying that's why the lines, because I'm saying sure. I could say, hey, Houston, Houston, Houston. How about this one? The Giants giving the cards three at home. Just See, curious what you think. I would stay away from that one. Okay. And Seattle, I would tend I would tend to go with the Giants, but that's the me. The cards have played, you know, they played okay. They, they're respectable. How about the Seattle's giving the three and a half to the Baltimore's at home? I would like Seattle. Okay. And and that's just some games I looked at because this, this week is a really interesting card because most of the lines, you took a one line that was 10, and New England's 10, I think, over the Jets on Jets, Monday. Yeah. A lot of the lines are like three. You don't see that very often. No. It's not like a good – so that's telling me there's a lot of games that could basically – what do you think – Well, before uh, we – what do you think of the birdies in the Dallas? I think it depends on injuries of Amani to- – or I'm sorry, Amani to- <laughs> Cooper's probably I'm Mark, he's probably not. I mean, he's probably fifty fifty. There isn't their line a little banged up too. Their offensive yeah, line, yeah, their linebackers. Jalen Smith is. I do too. realize the Eagles, one win, one loss, one. They haven't lost. Why did two. I say Amani Toomer? Because I probably would have said the same thing. You're thinking of Michigan. Um, yeah. The Eagles have not lost two or won two in a row. 
Um, the Cowboys have just looked. Bleh. Oh, the Eagles have one two in a row. I thought they went one, 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 one. No, one lost two, one two lost one. Wait a minute. They 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 won opening week, right? Then lost to Falcons and the Lions, and then beat you're, the Packers. And the, you're right. I, I got it confused. I had them I, I think the Eagles win this game. I'm not super confident in it, but I think they will. I would take the Eagles getting the three. I think. It just scares me that Dallas almost has to win this game. That doesn't mean they're going to. Doesn't mean anything. But I know you hate when I ask questions like this, but I'll play a hypothetical. Right. Are the Cowboys playing for Jason Garrett's job this week? No, I don't think so. I, I don't think he's going to get fired before the year's over unless they're like three and eight at some point or because I just don't think Jerry comes out and says stuff like he says this week and then fires him. Okay. But if the situations were reversed, and the Eagles were the three and three team, having lost three straight, including one that went to the Jets. Right, and we're at home. Would how would we be looking at it? Desperate, right? And see that that's the only thing that scares me. That's mm-hmm. the only thing that scares me in this game is that the Cowboys just, you know, might need. But I, I, so you're taking the Cow. You're going to take the Eagles with the three. I would take but the you're Eagles not. with the three, but but. On a scale of one to ten, I'd give it a two. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same. So way. a lot of games this week, I just have I have. I think the Eagles win probably by about a field goal, but I'm not super confident in it. So yeah. and and this is one week where Carson Wentz. I'm not saying he has to play great, you know, but he has to because Dak struggled, and there's going to be a lot of that in this game. You know, right. that's going to come out. You know, if, if the right. Cowboys win and Dak plays well and Carson, oh, it's a it's Skip but, Bayless. But this is dream. one of those games where Carson, I think, has to kind of. You know, take the bull by the whatevers and and take his team mm-hmm. to a big win with a tough stretch coming up. Yep. All right. So those are our NFL and. picks and uh you know i don't know if i made any picks i this is a weird i'm telling you there's some weeks you just go this is one of them that's the way i feel sometimes about this show (laughs) and sometimes when i feel like that the games all that i they all win like last week you know i went six and one i didn't feel great about a lot of those picks but um you know could go one and six could go one and six all right so let's we've delayed inevitable i think the last time we talked to uh Gabe Kapler had just been fired uh, by the Phillies. Um, by the way, because we haven't been on the air since then, mm-hmm. one of the worst press conferences in <laughs> Philadelphia. Well, that, what do you think I was getting to? No, I mean, but 
But but like, let me let me talk about the news of the day here. Okay, the news of the day. No, are, no. Before you get to that, go ahead. I had faith. You you see, you're down there a lot, much much more than I am. Mm-hmm. That John Middleton was the guy. Like you know, all we used to ever hear was well, when John Middleton gets gets the controlling interest and in all this. Okay, fine. I'm I'm on board, and obviously he has money to throw around. But my God, he sounds like you, you don't want him coming out as the face. When you have Clintac and Mifail as phase two and phase three, it's it's like the three stooges. And and they're gonna sell this to Philadelphia? Well, all right, since you have gotten to this point, I might as well play it. All right, here is uh John Middleton from the press conference last week, courtesy of our friends at NBC Sports Philadelphia, uh, talking about why he made the decision against the wishes of Andy McPhail and Matt Clintac to fire Gabe Kapler. Uh, I kept bumping up Kevin against what Andy said is the September collapses. And the problem, you know, the people who were telling me, you know, you have injury problems, you can't blame Gabe for that. That's the reason why you had such a bad season. I, you know, ultimately I felt that if I were going to bring Gabe back, I had to be very, very confident that we were going to have a different outcome in 2020. And those September collapses were just, I kept bumping up against them. And I couldn't get comfortable enough, confident enough that if I brought him back, we wouldn't have another problem. It's a legitimate point. That sure. may have been his best point, and I'm not just playing that because he said my name, but... Yes, uh, you are. <laughs> You're one of those guys who wants to be, yeah, he said said to me. No, I I'm do just, say I'm him. Josh, I'm Josh. <laughs> but, well, I could have picked out of 11 minutes, I could have <laughs> it could have been a whole podcast segment on just it that t- It took him a week and a half to, to co- or actually more than a week and a half, Took like two and a half weeks for him to reach that conclusion. But I think the bigger problem here, and we'll get to this clip, is John Middleton's treating this like another business. And whatever you say about professional sports, it's not. Take this clip right here. What happened here happens every day in businesses. It happened, it's happened repeatedly in my 40 years. I mean, if you talk to the people who, who ran the companies who reported to me over those you know, 30, 40 years, they would tell you. John steps in with us. He says, no, you can't do that. You're going to do this instead. I've listened to you, but you haven't convinced me. And, I, and you do that. You know, and there's been lots of talk about how that emasculates people. That's, that's nonsense. That doesn't do anything like that. People, this happens all the time. And, in fact, it's a learning experience. So, uh, you know, I disagree with that because my point is, if you're making the decision for your general manager and your president and you're going above your general manager and your president's wishes, you are emasculating them. And in sports, Mike, it does make a difference. This is not a cigar company or widgets. I mean, you See, I can't... don't care if the other two guys get emasculated or not because they do nothing for it. But me. it makes you look dysfunctional. No, it makes you look like the owner is is in charge. Rightly or wrongly, it, you know, it's like in Dallas. I mean, you know, Jerry Jones is is going to do things. And we're going to sit there, hey, you know, Jerry's a bozo, or he did, or, or if the move works out, hey, Jerry. There's no doubt who's in charge. He can have general managers. He can have whatever. So he's basically saying, I'm in charge, and I'm going to, you know, I'm, you're my general manager, and I'm going to listen to you. And I went out and got Kapler because you told me that this was, ain't luck. They, 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 they don't know how this went wrong. That's one of the problems. You know, you, you get Harper, you win the offseason, and then you don't win the season. And it's like, okay, well, why? Well, you had injuries. Your pitching staff wasn't good enough. 
and some of your guys underperformed. Maybe the manager under, look, I was never a Kapler guy, so I'm not, but maybe he underperformed, maybe he didn't. Maybe he'll go to the Cubs and win a World Series in three years or something. I have no idea. But to me, the fact that it took them two and a half weeks, because they should have been thinking the minute they were eliminated, and actually even before they were eliminated, but the minute they were eliminated, this thing should have started. Well, John said he admitted he was thinking about it in July. Well, then, then you know what? Then the, And he was talked out of it by by Matt and and, and The only Andy. thing you can hope is that whoever they hire, if it's a Girardi or a Buck or a... Or well, a, um, let me give the news of the day. Dusty Baker had a second interview on Thursday as we record this. The Friday. 70-year-old Dusty Baker. 70-year-old Dusty okay. Baker. Just, okay. Um, I believe Friday is going to be the second interview for uh, Buck Showalter. Mm-hmm. And Monday will be the second interview with uh, Girardi. Joe Girardi, yeah. who had an interview on Thursday with the Mets. Yeah, and he'll probably get one with the Cubs. Uh, he's already got one interview right. with the Cubs, but I'm not sure you're going to get a second. If they hire one of those three guys, then, you know, it, it, life will be good. Whether it turns out to be good, or but I'm saying, if you hire one of those three guys, you can defend it. I mean, yeah, it's Dusty Old, sure, but, you know, 70 Bucks, now is... Buck's not I know, they're, a young chicken but, either. But in, in today's world, though, you know, we don't think of 70 like we used to. You know, 70's like 60 or whatever, but... Any of those three guys, I think, will appease the fan base. And I think that's what they're trying to do a little bit, is appease the fan base. Now, do you hire the right guy? Because that's what it comes down to. Are you going to hire the right guy? Is Dusty Baker going to be um, happy when Clintex sends down the lineup card? Well, And that's actually the bigger question here. Well, that's, you know. but basically, the, big, the bigger question is, are you going to hire somebody? Look. Dusty Baker and Buck Showalter are not analytic guys. Buck tried to hide his last year in Baltimore. I thought Dan Connolly on The Athletic did a great story about that he tried to adjust his last year. And and Buck's too old to really adjust at this point. And I I just, you know, I, I think that if you're having your front office go this way and you want it, as Middleton said, he wants a, a strict analytic background well, because then, everybody else does it. But then you wouldn't hire Dusty Baker or then why? Sword. Well, that's the point. Why are you then bring Like, if you're going analytics, there's one choice, and it's Joe Girardi, and you better pay for him. Well, but but maybe they don't think they – maybe they think they have a better chance of getting Dusty or Buck because the worst thing that can happen is if you come out and say, we want Joe Girardi, and then you don't get him because then you look stupid. Well, but I think what they're trying to do here – is a pair, appease the fan base, which is disgruntled, it's upset, it's it's a lot of things. And the way you do that is to bring in a guy who has a name, who's been to playoffs, maybe they haven't won World Series, but they've been to playoffs, and you can't... You, obviously, what Middleton is kind of saying to you is, we're not really worried about... The, you know, we're going to try to maybe... Impl- I can't believe that Clintac's going to go up to Dusty Baker or Buck and say, now, this is the way... Because they're going to have to tell him that in the interview process. And then Buck would probably walk out. Or, well, and that's where the danger... You know, they've only interviewed three guys. Yeah, but I don't think there's a danger. I, I think you, you got to have a meeting of the minds before you hire but, someone. But, Mike, what I'm saying is they've had three... They're interviewing three guys. That we know of. We have to assume that's correct information. Right, and I'll, I'll trust that 
those are the only three guys they're really going to interview. Here. Right. As of now. Okay. Yeah. One could go to another job very easily. Sure. Okay. Honestly, if Girardi gets the Cubs job, okay, uh, Showalter's still in line for perhaps the, the, the Mets job. No, and then you get Dusty Baker. All right. Dusty Baker, 70 years old, may get into the second interview with Matt Clintack and Ina McPhail and go, you know what? Nah, that's okay. But, but Kevin, I can't. No, I disagree with you. In the first interview, the first one, the question has to come up. Dusty, how are you going to manage? And Dusty isn't going to sit there and go, well, I'm going to listen to Matt Clintock tell me about analytics. It's not. If, if they hire one of those guys, you have to take one of those guys for what they are, not the other way around. Gabe Kapler had never managed before. You so it was easy to tell them what, him what to if do. If they, and Clintech might have to swallow his, say, hey, I want to keep my job. I don't know how that's going to work, but you cannot tell Dusty Baker or or Buck. Now, now Girardi would probably come in and say, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with a lot of stuff you're doing. I have my own ways about things. I don't think they're going to get Girardi. I, I just think... The Girardi, and I don't know like how much the Cubs or the Mets want him. You say the Mets don't pay a lot of money, okay. But I think what the Phillies are doing is lining themselves up and saying, here's three guys. We can live with any of the three. I don't even know if they have one they'd like more. Maybe you want Girardi more be, you know, because he's younger. I don't know. But they're saying, we're going to get one of these guys. So if, God forbid, the Mets get one guy and the Cubs get one guy, we're getting the one guy who's left standing. And we'll make it sound like this is the guy we want. And I don't think any of those three guys will do a bad job. Oh, I mean, no. I, look, you know, I, I think people, if it's... They're proven, the, right? Right. I think if it's anybody but Joe Girardi, the fans may be disappointed. I don't think hold so. Hold on, hold on. But I, I think Buck Showalter, one, is a really good manager. And people look at Dusty But and you go, said he's intense, though, right? He's very intense. Yeah, well, okay. In this town, that could play very well. Well, no, to the fans. To the fans. I'm talking about the 25 guys in the locker room. Well, that's true, too. I don't care about what I think. Okay. <laughs> but after watching what this team has developed over the last couple of years, you don't think they need a good foot up their ass? Oh, no, no. Kevin, I agree. But what I'm saying to you is that's fine if it works. You know, we've seen, like, basket, in basketball sometimes, they'll bring a coach in, and he's whatever he is, and it whatever, it doesn't work. And I think the Dusty Baker hire, if it is the Dusty Baker hire, mm-hmm. okay, I think the Dusty Baker hire is, you know, we wonder what the the, the $330 million man thought. Yeah. Dusty and Bryce Harper got along pretty well yeah. in Washington. And Dusty did a good job in Washington. Dusty got screwed in Washington. Yeah. And they still didn't win a playoff series, but I, I'm with you. I'm with you about Dusty. I'm not, I, I think Dusty did a good job in Cincinnati for a while. They did a great job in San Francisco yeah, and Chicago. I, I, I wouldn't have any problem, but again, the, the guys in the locker room have to buy into him and ain't the other way around. So if you have guys in that locker room, like I'm thinking of the second baseman, I'm thinking of the former center fielder, who I don't know if the uh, third, well, the third the, baseman the, 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 three, the three guys you just mentioned are probably gone. That's right. But well, that's true. But what I'm saying is you have to have guys, Kingery, Hoskins, young guys who are, who are you know, your guys. I think Rio Multo will get along with anybody. He's, he seems like he's okay. And yeah, if your right fielder is on board, that's great. Because obviously, I think any of those three guys, if we're having this conversation two years from now, the Phillies will be a playoff team. Now, what that you know, I don't know if that means they're going to go to the World Series. They're going, to, but I think that any of those three guys will make them better, mm-hmm. it, as long as they make the right moves. You know, as well, long as they and that up. leads to the other question. Uh, you know, you mentioned about how awful that press conference was, and and, and I've sat through weirder ones. Um, see, I thought it was going to be like that. 
maybe not to that degree, but I didn't think it was going uh, to You be. know, it's tough because, you know, if you're the PR staff, how do you tell the boss? You don't. You can't. Nope. Um, and, and look, I give John... I mean, maybe the boss doesn't care. Like, I mean, well, he's, he's John I give, Middleton. But, I'm Mike Kern. But I, I give John Middleton credit because I think John Middleton, you know, one thing I'll say about John Middleton, I think he's passionate. I think he wants to do this. Oh, I, I agree I think with there's you. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. I think he does have to learn the lesson that it's not regular business. That's but all. Let, let's. He's not a bozo. No. By any stretch of the imagination because he's a very, very, very successful person. He seems like he cares a lot. So I'll give him every benefit of the doubt. The Gabe Kapler thing, for whatever reason, didn't work out. Maybe under different circumstances, it would have worked out. I, I don't know. I just know it didn't fit in this city. It didn't fit from the minute he took Noel out of that first game. You know, it, and, it just and then didn't. the Atlanta, the third game where he had nobody warming up it, in the bullpen. Yeah, and and I think what you get with any of those three guys you mentioned, and I think Girardi would be the home run. You know, and maybe that's wrong. Maybe the other. Any of those three guys he gets is going to give you instant credibility. Gabe never gave you that. But when you went out and got Bryce Harper last year, that was credibility. Right. The toughest part of that press conference was sitting and watching Klintak. And it's not that I don't think Matt Klintak, you know, look, I think Matt Klintak has put himself in this this spot. I think McPhail's worse, but that's another. But but it was tough watching him because he looked like, yeah, the, the 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 comment I used in the press conference was, or in, in my article in Philly Voice was, he he looked like you know he he ought to wear the cone of shame that dogs wear after they've been neutered. Well, look, I mean, the, the, look, going forward, whoever you hire, whichever one of those guys, the pressure's now on him because they're not going to blame the manager, um, you know, rightly, wrongly, or whatever. So, but have you ever seen such a public rebuke of a general manager? Well, because. Look, who kept his job? But people, because he got an extension, mm-hmm. because he won the offseason. And whose problem was that? But you can say anything we want about Matt Clintock about how he didn't um, make the starting pitching staff better. But their plan, I mean, forget the signings. That's John Middleton's money. Right. They went out and signed, but but he did get McCutcheon, which, you know, he got Ria Multo in a trade. He had to give up a good prop. But I'm saying he made the Segura trade. We were all on board with that. I understand. But if you, uh, and I'll close it off on this comment, okay? If we're judging Matt Klintak on Gabe Kapler, okay? If Matt Klintak is is being spiked down by Gabe Kapler, okay? And, and should be fired because he chose Matt, Gabe Kapler as his manager. Then what's it say about the owner who re-signed uh, in Middleton, who re-signed McPhail and Klintak? But when did he sign them, Kevin? You're missing the point. I he know the point, them. Mike. He signed them after they just signed a $330 million guy. Made Who the, he said he made, signed. Made the Riamolto trade. Made the Segura trade. Got the reliever coming out of the bullpen. That's been, so when you got to put it in the context, he didn't get the extension in June. He got it in February. It was so great an extension, He they hit it for two and a half months. All I'm saying to you is when he got the extension, he was here. The Phillies were here. Well, okay. Well, now he's not there anymore. Most general managers don't get clocked for one bad manager hire. Okay. Most. Okay. Not saying all. But, and this is kind of my final point on it. Middleton has said he makes the big moves. Okay. Okay. Clintac uh, uh, now is basically in charge of third, you know, third, you know, uh, long relievers and and stuff that's not really that important. If you listen to Middleton the other day, which leads to the question: 
What's Andy McPhail doing here? Well, Andy McPhail, I said that to you five minutes ago. Right. Andy McPhail, I don't know what he does. I don't. He's, he, he's picking up a paycheck because he's Andy McPhail. That's what he's doing. But as far as Clentac goes, Middleton's not the guy who's going to be out there trying to make trades or try. He might be the guy who signs the check and says, yes, I'll give you $330 million to sign that guy. But Clentac's the one that has to go out. You know, he did make a trade for the best catcher in baseball or one of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's pretty good. He was one of the best players on the team. Nobody, like everybody's like, uh, uh, uh. okay, fine. He got a shortstop that for a couple, the first couple of months of the season was playing like an all-star. Yeah, he, he paled off and that's maybe that's why he's been with four or five teams in six years. But I'm just saying, he did make some good moves. His, his glaring thing was that they didn't fix the starting pitching. Right. And that was because they put all their eggs, a lot of their eggs in the bullpen. Yes. that. So let's see what he does going forward now is, what are they going to do this year? What, right. You know, and once again, if it's to sign Garrett Cole, that's going to be John Middleton, you know, throwing whatever. It's the littler moves that will, you know, get in the ten million dollar pitcher, right? You know, instead of the, um, all right, and, and maybe Clintac's gone after next year, but then that means your manager failed too. Well, right? by Tuesday night, which will be night one of the World Series, we will have an idea probably mm-hmm. where the Phillies are going. But let me manager. ask you this: Hold on, who do you think is going to be the manager? Put you on record right now. I'll say Buck. I'm still saying Buck. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be Girardi. So that would lead. And I like both the other guys. And, but I don't think Girardi gets the Cubs job either. I, I don't think, know. I think Girardi ends up. But you said the Mets won't pay him. I, so where's he end I, up at? I, Topeka? I, I mean, you're you telling know, me the Mets aren't going to pay him. That's what you said. I did. Well, then. I wonder now if the dynamic changes because the Phillies are involved. Well, you said double days cheap. Why would the dynamic not, change? Uh, uh, not not double day. Or, or uh, Wilpon. Wilpon. Okay, he's cheap. He's cheap. Uh, I think there's a lot of pressure. And Girardi's holding all the cards. Because, yeah, I mean, Girardi's going to get a lot of money from somebody. And it's pretty clear he's going somewhere because he resigned as the Olympic coach. Yeah, he's, no, it's, it's, but here's the question. <laughs> okay. Let's say whoever the manager is, I don't care, any of the three. And the Phillies make their offseason moves, they, you know, and, and we're fair, and we say, okay, they were pretty good moves. You know, we're all, and they win eighty five games next year. GM's well, gone, but but then don't you have to hold? I mean, you went out and got this manager. You made so. I mean, at what point the GM? It doesn't matter. Well, it it should matter. Because, I'm just telling you, no, I don't I, think it matters. That's fine. But what I'm saying is, at some point, if we're going to keep blaming him, which is fine, but if you go out and get to me, if you go out and get one of these guys and you make, you get a, a pitcher or two, um, I mean, there's a lot of holes you got to fill in, but yeah. you should be, a at the very worst, a playoff contender, not like they were this year. I mean, a legitimate contender in the, like, the final weekend of the season. You know, that's just me, because the, the manager should, should mean, I don't know, five wins? He should. But he probably, you know, who knows? Who knows? That's the great thing about this. But I guarantee you it'll win the offseason again, and we'll, and the manager will be part of that, especially if it's Girardi. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine if they have a press conference and it is Joe Girardi? I mean, this this town, for, for a day or two, it, it you know, it'll be, wow. You know, it'd be like in do, football if you, you got... Um, do you want the real question to answer on that one? Will John Middleton be sitting at the podium? I don't care who's sitting at the podium. No, 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 no. We'll, we'll put I, John Middleton I, at the podium. But I don't 
The question is, if Dusty Wathen is the guy, does John Middleton go to the podium? Uh, John will not be at the podium yeah. for Dusty Wathen. But, I mean, Joe Girardi or Sam Fold would or- get a lot of people. Now, it would only be for a day or so because it's Eagle season, Sixers will be starting, all that kind of stuff. But it'll get people, yeah. you know, back into the... Uh. <laughs> yep. So let's remind you next week we're on two. Well, we'll tape on Tuesday evening. We'll have it for you say, for your commute on Wednesday, which will be the start of your team, your town, your 76ers regular season. Uh, John Johnson will join us from 94 WIP and KYW. Then next Thursday, we will do our NFL segment and our picks college and pro. Uh, we appreciate. I still all- haven't mentioned flyers. <laughs> They haven't been within like 5,000 miles of the it's building. It's tremendous, though, about how and I, I'm with you. But it's amazing how nobody will talk flyers until February. Maybe. Maybe. Depending upon how they're doing. That's how bad the, the flyer, um, what's the word? Presence. I'm sorry, we're out of time. Yeah. It's, All right. It's, yeah. And, and by the way, we will be taking bids for the uh, best pizza places in Northeast. We want a sponsor. We want a sponsor. Thank you for joining us. If you're interested in sponsoring, reach out to me uh, on Twitter uh, at Kevin Cooney or at Mike Kern DN. Or just drop money off at his front door, one or the other. I'm sure the IRS would have a problem with that. So, thank you very much for joining us. It's been fun again tonight. Have a good weekend, everybody. Until next week, I'm Kevin Cooney for Mike Kern. Take care. Well,